wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So this is our first week of three shows per week. Instead of going every single day, we're on the Locked On Podcast Network, which usually brings you your teams every day. But given the circumstances and the lack of news, we're going to transition into three shows per week until we get this virus settled down and we also get baseball back into our lives. And so this week, we're going to take these three shows and we're going to relive three of my favorite Kansas City Royals seasons in my entire lifetime. My three favorite Royals seasons. And they happen consecutively, 2013, 2014, and 2015. Honorable mention, 2011. Uh, but we can talk about that whenever we talk about 2013 today. We're going to start with 2015. Of course, the year that the Royals got their second World Series championship. But a ton went into that season. It's going to be fun. That's what we're going to do this week. And then we'll go from there. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. Let me know what you guys are doing during your self-isolation time and what is getting you through this quarantine, and also some questions or topics that you want to hear me discuss, and also your top three favorite Royal seasons in the history of the franchise. So in 2015, the Royals, of course, were coming off another AL championship in their franchise history, obviously the first playoff appearance in 30 years, and going to the World Series for the first time in that same time frame. So Kansas City was, of course, buzzing. It was the first time that many of us have experienced a winner in Kansas City, especially on the baseball side of things. So it was a ton of fun. Um, And the team really helped mature the fan base, I think. Because a lot of us left 2014 with a sense of accomplishment, just happy to be here. But the team never took on that attitude. From the first day at spring training, players were focused, were driven, were determined to make it back and to win the World Series this time. And you hear that every time someone loses a World Series. Every single time, the players want to make it back. But it was there was something different about that 2015 team. And you can ask pretty much anyone who was around at that time. And no one was really satisfied with, with the achievements and the accomplishments that they made, despite the fact that those accomplishments were huge. I mean taking a franchise to the playoffs for the first time in 30 years and then sweeping your way to the World Series after winning an improbable wild card game. You swept your way to the World Series and you pushed the Giants, who have been perennial winners, who have been a perennial dynasty, you pushed them to the limits. 
you give them all they can handle. It took a historic effort from Madison Bumgarner, the likes of which we have never seen in over 100 years of baseball. We've never seen done what Madison Bumgarner did. It took that to beat the 2014 Royals. So there was a ton that the players could have been satisfied with, that the players could have been happy with, and that the players could have reside with. I mean, they, they accomplished a huge feat. But again, the tone was never that. The tone was never, look at what we did. It's look what we were going to do. And so quickly, the fan base turned from, oh, it's too bad they lost the World Series, but wow, can you believe that we got there? To, it's time to win the World Series. I think, I think that, the, that the players and the organization had a huge part in that. Because, again, 30 years is a long time. Many of us have never even experienced a winning season for the Kansas City Royals, much less a playoff appearance, much less a World Series appearance. So we were pretty happy with anything. So they get through spring training, and they go wire to wire, leading the division, which is so rare in baseball. More so than any other sport, you never can go wire to wire in in baseball. But the 2015 Royals did inside the division. And it all started on opening day, the Kansas City Royals taking on the Chicago White Sox and what would set the tone for the regular season. A three-game sweep of the White Sox, which is very important because the White Sox, as you know, would play a huge role in this season. Despite them not really being contenders this year, it was just the fact of how many fights that the Royals got into, especially involving the White Sox. Everyone remembers the hilarious brawl between, you know, Lorenzo Cain and he was going after Jeff Samarja. His jersey gets pulled over his head. I mean, it was all, it was a huge brouhaha in Chicago. And the bad blood never stopped. I mean, they took on everybody. Everybody. I, I don't even, I can't even count how many fights and, and bickerments that the Royals got into that season. I can't even put a number on it. It was... It was early and it was often that the Royals had this attitude about them. So they get through the first you know, half of the season. They're sweeping the White Sox out of the gates. They're sweeping the Angels out of the gates. They drop their first series to Minnesota, you know, their third series of the year, first series loss to Minnesota. Uh, they, they get in a huge spat with Oakland. I mean, they're cruising along, playing Chicago again. So they cruise... Throughout the first month or two of the season, things are going great. The The salvy splashes are going off. The 1738 antics are, are happening along with that, with that popular rap song that's out at the time. And then we, fa- we you know flash forward to the MLB trade deadline. And this is where things really became, well, real to a lot of people, including myself. The Royals were no longer... And the, and the Royals front office was no longer just along for the ride. They were no longer accepting Chris Young as their top pitcher. They were no longer accepting Edison Volquez as their ace. They tried their hardest to go get an ace. A real certified ace that we have not seen in Kansas City since the likes of Zach Greinke. They traded away a plethora of prospects for Johnny Johnny Cueto. And 
This signaled the fact that, again, the front office was ready to win. And for the first time in 30 years, you could say that. You could say this front office wants to spin, they want to go out, and they want to compete, and they want to win. It was no longer just drafting prospects and hoping. It was trading prospects and getting results. It was putting all the poker chips in the middle of the table. So you trade Lamb. You trade Brandon Finnegan. Brandon Finnegan, who the year before pitched so well that not only did he play in the World Baseball Classic for TCU, excuse me, in the College World Series for TCU in June, he pitched throughout the postseason in Major League Baseball for the Kansas City Royals in 2014. The same year he's drafted, he goes to the show and he goes to the postseason. That's how highly Dayton Moore and this organization thought of Brandon Finnegan. And I encourage everyone who didn't take the time on Friday to, to, to go back and watch the, the re-airing of the wildcard game on MLB Network. I encourage everyone to do so and, and, and watch how important he was, Brandon Finnegan, in that game. That big league attitude. He was composed. The big league stuff he had on the mound. He was a good pitcher. But they gave it all away for a rental of Johnny Cueto. Someone who they trusted enough to pitch in his first year of pro ball ever. To pitch in the postseason. I don't think people realize the, the, that, that being a big move nowadays. Because you see that Lamb didn't pan out. You see that Finnegan never really panned out. So it seems like the Rose got one over on the on the Reds. And they did. You know, and, and they would have even if Finnegan did pan out. Because if you can win a World Series, every trade you make is worth it. If you can win a World Series. But that was not an easy decision. A lot of people thought Brandon Finnegan was going to be the man. The ace. Especially after what he did his first year in pro ball. So they go out and get Johnny Cueto, and he's terrible. He doesn't pitch very well in the regular season. He doesn't pitch particularly well in the postseason outside of two amazing performances, which makes up for it, and he helps the team win a World Series. So that trade, no matter what Lamb or Finnegan turned into, was always going to be a win for the Kansas City Royals. It was always going to be a win because Johnny Cueto had two good games in the postseason, two electric games in the postseason, and that was enough to get over the hump. At the, same, at the same time, they traded the trade deadline for Ben Zobrist, a utility player who could play all over the infield and all over the outfield. He could play anywhere on the diamond besides catcher and pitcher. And he becomes a catalyst for the Royals lineup. If you remember, there was injuries in the outfield to Alex Gordon, and he had to go and, and, and fill out some time there. He had to play some in the outfield, but but the real bread and butter of this lineup happened whenever everyone was healthy and he could play second base. And again, like Cueto, for the first time in 30 years, the second base spot was solidified. It wasn't Chris Getz. It wasn't Omar Infante. It was Ben Zobrist, a quality hitter who turned into a very, very quality player that actually was a huge reason 
that the Royals win the World Series. I don't think that the Royals win it without Ben Zobrist. And then you get, of course, the bullpen with, with Wade Davis and even Ryan Matson. I mean, Medios called on Ryan Matson at a stupid time in game in, in game four of the of the ALDS. He should have immediately went to Kelvin Herrera or Wade Davis immediately. Whenever it's a one one whenever it was a one run game and there was someone on base. But he went to Ryan Matson. And Ryan Matson pitched very well. So you're getting contributions from Ryan Madsen. This team was special. That's just the only way to put it. It was special. So the roster finished up looking like this. You had Salvador Perez behind the plate, Eric Cosmer at first base, Ben Zobers at second base, Alcides Escobar at shortstop, Mike Moustakas at third, and Alex Gordon in left, Lorenzo Cain in center, Alex Rios in right, and Kendris Morales at the DH spot. And that's that's the lineup. So let's di- let's let's dissect that a little bit. Who would have thought that you got a career year from Kendrys Morales, almost hitting 300? He has a 362 on base percentage, a 45 slugging percentage, an 847 OPS. I mean, Kendrys Morales, as much as I love Billy Butler, was incredible. Alex Rios, people didn't like him. I understand that. He only gave you a 255 average with a 640 OPS. But he was huge in the postseason. There were there was quite a few times that he came up. And he was a spark, which I never thought I'd say that. But Alex Rios was a spark in, against Houston. He was a big part of how they win. I don't think that they win the World Series in 2015 with, in 2015 with Nori Aoki. I just don't. And then you go through, you know, Lorenzo Cain. I think that he had a good shot at being World Series MVP. Obviously went to Salvador Perez. You know, he, he was he was huge in both postseason runs. Alex scored with, with amazing defense and had a very good year at the plate. Um, so good that, you know, I'd argue it's the best year he's ever had at the plate all around. And you thought maybe that was going to drive his price tag too far up and he'd be jumping ship and going over to, you know, Chicago was a team that was really heavy on him in the offseason before he returned to Kansas City. Moustakis, his first real breakout season was in 2015. All these things lined up perfectly for Kansas City. Everything lined up perfectly for Kansas City. Some other funny names that were you know on the roster and making some appearances. Dusty Coleman played four games. Dusty Coleman was, was a hilarious name and, and just a hilarious player to watch because he was just so bad. He was just so bad. Of course, you remember Chesler Cuthbert on that team. Drew Butera, huge. Defensively, he was huge for Kansas City because Salvador Perez got beat up against the Astros. And he and, and Drew Butera caught a great game. He called a great game. He battled. Off the bench, he battled against Houston on that game that Salvador Perez got a concussion uh, in Game 4. And then he gets thrown into the World Series. Fantastic game. There as well. Now, now obviously, the situation was huge because it was a World Series. But in terms of the scoreboard, the the the, the uh, you know the the score did not make it a pressurized situation. They had just pinch run for Perez. All he had to do was come out there and catch for Wade Davis. No big deal. Best closer in the game with a huge lead. But still, Jupiter was amazing. It's better than having Eric Kratz back there. Eric Kratz, who played four games for the 2015 Royals. And then you have Terrence Gore, of course, who 
for the first time in his professional career, got thrown out against the Astros in that in that game four. Uh, thanks to replay review, he really shouldn't have been called out. But again, this lineup, let's go back to it. Top to bottom, I've never seen a deeper lineup. Where's the automatic out in Perez, Hosmer, Zobrist, Escobar, Moustakis, Gordon, Kane, Rios, Morales? Now, eventually, Escobar became an automatic out. But especially throughout that postseason, he was very good. Gordon usually was an automatic out. But in that season, something clicked with him. And then you had Kane, who I think should have been in the MVP voting, and I think he should have been heavily considered uh, for the MVP award for both the World Series and the AL. Uh, but that's besides the point. This lineup clicked at the right time, and they battled. They, there was not a massive home run guy. I mean, you look at the top home run hitters, 22 from Moustakis and, and Morales both led the team with Perez at 21. Next closest is Hosmer at 18. They weren't a big home run hitting team. They were just getting on base, stealing bases, moving guys over. They were playing to their strengths. They were a scrappy team to watch because, again, you could never count them out. And that's what made that run so special. And again, I've, I've made this comparison before, but the Chiefs and the Royals, this year for the Chiefs, 2015 for the Royals, had two of the most improbable runs to championships that you'll ever see. Even against the Mets, they, they won it in five games against the Mets. But they easily could have lost game one. The Hosmer error and then turned into the sack fly. They easily could have lost game one. They should have lost game five. I mean, Hosmer making the mad dash home. When does that ever work? Especially when you're talking about Eric Hosmer and not Terrence Gore. Now, I'm happy that it worked. But when does that ever work? And then what sparked this entire run, of course, was, in fact, improbable. The comeback against the A's, twice. They came back twice. And then the 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 rope-a-dope hit from Salvador Perez. And then to sweep your way through the rest of the competition is incredible. Up until you push to Game 7 against the Giants. And... We'll talk about 2014 in, in totality later on. But after the break, we're going to talk about the pitching staff, and then we're going to get out of here. But first, I want to talk about our good friends over at Postmates. For an early morning breakfast burrito or a 12-pack of beer while you're watching the game, sometimes you need something delivered fast. That's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my doorstep. But Postmates is not just about burgers and sushi. They can make your life easier with grocery deliveries and whatever else I can think of, from convenience stores to clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late, no more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about grabbing lunch anymore. You just got to download the Postmates app for iOS or Android, find your favorite places, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credits for your first seven days with the app. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That is code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credits with no minimum purchase. For your first seven days with the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. 
So we're back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So I want to quickly talk about the pitching staff before we get out of here. Again, I mentioned Johnny Cueto already. You trade for him expecting him to be the ace, the, the Cueto shimmy, the Cueto, you know, just the, the, the narrative around Johnny Cueto. He goes out and gives you a 4-7 and seven record. Again, if you listen to my How to Watch Baseball podcast, I don't care about records, but that's his record. He gave you a 4.76 ERA in 81 innings. That's not ace material. He was not what you signed up for, but again, he got the job done in two great postseason appearances, and it helped lead the team to a World Series, so it was worth it. Of course, you also had your Donovan Chora, who gave you a 4.8 ERA, and this group, again, should not have won a World Series on paper. There was something special about this team. Again, Greg Holland is hurt, so he's not in this mix of the, of the bullpen anymore. Wade Davis was electric. He was amazing. He was had the best season of a reliever that I can ever remember in 2015. Uh, save your Andrew Miller. Save your Zach Britton. Wade Davis was incredible. I'd say Zach Britton was the only one that could rival him. I'd have a conversation about Zach Britton. But again, the next lowest ERA was Ryan Madsen, a 34-year-old relief pitcher who's never been thought of very highly, gave you a 2.13. He was your setup man, along with Kelvin Herrera. And your best starter this season was Chris Young, who the very next year... Couldn't stop giving up home runs. Every pitch he threw was a home run the next year. But for that 2015 period, he gave you a sub-4 ERA. He gave you a 3.06 ERA. That's special. That is special. I mean, things have to fall right to win a World Series, but I, I don't think people realize just how much fell right for Kansas City. And we'll be doing that all this week just appreciating what all had to happen for this team to win a World Series and to make two straight. You know, Luke Hochaver, going from failed starter to incredible fireman out of the bullpen. There were so many times that Ned Yost called upon Luke Hochaver to get out of huge jams, and he did it. With runners on base, one out or even no outs, he got out of it. And this was a guy who couldn't put together a quality start to save his life. Couldn't do it. But out of the bullpen, he was really good. And then you get the the reclamation project of Chris Medlin. You lose James Shields, and Chris Medlin turns in. You know, to your second best starter behind Chris Young. Gives you a 4 ERA. And gives you a 1.3 whip. And then you had... What was supposed to be your ace in your Donovan Ventura gives you a quality season. Danny Duffy, fine season. A lot of bright spots there, but also a lot of dark periods. And in 2015, you were relying on Jeremy Guthrie. Jeremy Guthrie pitched over 100 innings for this team. He pitched 148 innings to the tune of a 5.95 ERA. But he did have some really cool Jordans, though. Nonetheless, this team was special. And, and it's still amazing to me that they won the World Series in an improbable fashion. 
they they should have lost at every step. But that's why the game's not played on paper. They should have lost at every step. And I can admit that. As much as I love that 2015 run, it was the highlight of my baseball fandom. They should have lost at every step. But they overcame it because they were a team of destiny. I mean, that's the only way you can describe it. They were a team that would battle. And that's what's so different about today's game compared to just 2015. Nobody battles like the Royals did. You hit a home run, you strike out. The Royals were fighting tooth and nail in 2015. One through nine, take pitches, foul pitches off, survive in advance, keep the line moving. Nonetheless, though, 2015 was a fun, fun time. You'll always remember the fights. You'll always remember, just, you'll remember everything that happened throughout 2015. But go ahead and get at me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Tell me what your favorite part of 2015 was, and what was your most forgotten part about 2015? What what do you look back on now and think, oh yeah, that, that, that really did happen. Terrence Gore did get thrown out against the Astros for the first time in his entire career. Let me know on Twitter what you guys think. So we're here today to talk about 2015. You just heard that. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about 2014, and we'll discuss that season in its entirety the same way we did today. And then we'll be back on Friday to discuss 2013. That's the schedule from here on out. Until we get baseball back, we're going to be here every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. So be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you next time on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network.